Good morning, rise and shine, everybody. This is Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, one chapter at a time. Here we are in Isaiah chapter 60. And yes, I couldn't help myself. The first words are, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is the place where we get that phrase, rise and shine. Uh, what does that mean here? You know, I think we many of us have heard that phrase said to us when we just want to stay in bed longer, and then mom comes in, rise and shine. I know I sure heard that a lot of times, and uh, we, we can talk more about that. But yeah, what, what are we rising and shining to? Well, this is the reading for Epiphany. This is the reading. Uh, it's such a joyful chapter, probably the most just ecstatically joyful chapter of all of Isaiah talking about the the light of God, the sun and the moon, no more we'll have the light of God for ourselves, the language of Revelation. So much good stuff in this chapter. And joining us today, we have uh, my first time with Pastor Jim Cress, joining us from Redeemer Lutheran Church in Englewood, Florida, along with the good people of Redeemer Lutheran Church, sounds like there after the Bible study hour. Good morning, or I suppose for you guys, it's like afternoon already in Florida. Good afternoon. How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing just fine. Thank you very much, uh, Pastor Espinosa. Uh, yes, it is uh, just past noontime here in uh, sunny Florida. However, today uh, we have, uh, maybe perhaps uh, due to the text that we'll be studying, it is a little bit overcast and gloomy uh, for winter. But I think our temperatures are a little bit warmer than yours. Well, yeah, well, I mean, remember, I'm actually in Orange County right now. So, <laughs> no, in Orange County, it's, I mean, like like it is on most mornings, it's it's overcast, but that's just, it all burns off by noontime. But yes, I know that the, the good people in St. Louis are contending with, with ice and snow. So we have a, a mix of uh, weather situations. But in any case, as you were saying, yeah, in chapter 60, there is that image. It's not just light from the very beginning. It starts off with darkness is the description. And it's out of the darkness comes this light. It's definitely the picture of a, like a sunrise of a morning of light breaking through the darkness. Of course, a big theme throughout Scripture. Correct. Uh, we see this not only in creation, uh, as I, I believe uh, Isaiah reveals that uh, to us, um, but uh, I think the most stunning uh, part of what we're going to look at and unpack today is uh, in regard to what, uh, what was following at the end of chapter 59 in those uh, concluding uh, two verses. Right. And we read those last time, um, taking note that they really do set up the beginning of Isaiah 60. It's, those are a couple of transition verses uh, referring back to the covenant after everything else. Um, in 59, of course, we saw it's, um, I mean, it's a dark chapter. I mean, it's an image of, um, you know, groping around in the dark, trying to find God, but not being able to see him, wondering where he is. Uh, you know, praying, but having prayers that are, are stained by the darkness of our sin. And so, I mean, what a contrast going from 59 to 60 today. It is, but uh, of course, uh, there is some um, stern warning uh, that the, uh, uh, that uh, Isaiah continues uh, to proclaim, just as a good law gospel preaching ought to contain both God's law and uh, gospel, of course. And I think uh, Isaiah continues to do that uh, through chapter 60. Right, absolutely. All right, well, let's turn to the chapter today. As we get started, would you say a prayer for us, for everybody listening, uh, both uh, over the air and there with you uh, in Florida? 
Absolutely. Uh, we begin, uh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, you sent your Son to be the true light of the world. Grant that those who live in a world of darkened vision uh, or limited sight may know the light of your presence. Grant them steadfast faith and strengthen them in your service, that in the life to come they may behold you when your Son returns in the fullness of his glory. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Let's get started by reading the first three verses, but before we do that, read those last uh, couple of verses that you were mentioning, just to give us that yeah. running start to help see this in context. And, and when I finish reading that part, if you would just uh, kind of talk a little bit to this point of how that context works and the transition between these two chapters. Uh, but, but first, let's go ahead and take a look. The last two verses of 59... And then going in to the first three verses of 60, this is the English Standard Version. And a Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Uh, Well done, uh, uh, AJ. And and, uh, what we see here is um, the Lord preparing uh, his people uh, as uh, he gives this word of promise uh, that the Redeemer will come to Zion, uh, and it, it will be for all the people, for those who repent. Uh, and he, he thus says this covenant that, that he makes, Spirit will be upon them, and my words uh, that, uh, that I uh, will uh, have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth or your children's or your offspring and so on and so forth. And then uh, here comes uh, the wonderful words in which you can't help, uh, as you mentioned earlier, arise, shine. Uh, right. And I can't help but think of uh, one of our hymns in the hymn book, uh, Rise, Shine, You People. Uh, Christ uh-huh. the Lord has entered. And this being the, uh, uh, the season of Advent, uh, for your light has come. Uh, and this is obviously past tense. Um, this is, uh, it's not as though the light this light that is uh, that comes is uh, coming uh, now, but has already been here, um, and so it's a reminder uh, of us that this light is here. And and the and the thing is, is that what is this light? Um, well, um, it is none other than uh, the light of Christ, His Word, um, and so uh, pertaining to referring back to the. Uh, what uh, was spoken, my words that I have right. put in your mouth. Um, this is the light that has come upon us. In the water and the word of holy baptism, we have been baptized into Christ. His word uh, has been uh, imputed on us, and we, have, and we receive the benefits uh, of, of his mighty work, forgiveness, life, and salvation, rescue and restoration. Uh, and so, uh, so we see uh, wonderful things uh, here um, as the 
the uh, uh, Isaiah continues to say that the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Um, and so when we uh, think of uh, the Lord, and we are talking about Yahweh here, um, right. uh, he, come, he comes upon us as he was in creation. Um, uh, he was, uh, and and we, we, we talk about the omnipresence of, of God. He is present everywhere. Uh, in our lying down, in our in our uh, um, uh, getting up, uh, but uh, I think the uh, the prophet here is, is uh, um, the Lord here through the prophet is calling us to arise and shine, to rejoice in knowing that the light has come, uh, and He says this to the church of all time, uh, and therefore let us rejoice uh, even in times of darkness, uh, as uh, is spoken of in in verse two. Uh, yes, darkness covers. Uh, uh, the earth and and thick darkness, the peoples, and so we see the, uh, darkness uh, representing sin and even our own sin, our own sinful nature. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. This is not a simple expression referring to a gloomy, uh, gloomy darkness on a cloudy winter day. No, the language here is reminiscent of the Exodus where the land of mm-hmm. Egypt was in thick darkness, yeah. but the land of Goshen, where Israel was, well, there was light there. The whole world passed it, and all the peoples are enveloped in thick clouds of ignorance and sin. And so, if darkness covers the earth, on you the Lord arises. Uh, and Sir, when we get into verse 3, uh, right. of course, nations will come, that means that the that the light is not only for uh, for the for uh, for the people of Jacob, that is for Israel, the twelve tribes of Israel, but is for the Gentiles as well. Uh, and I yes. think this is a wonderful thing that we that we see here through the Redeemer. The the people are brought out of the darkness of their sins and into the light of God's salvation. For Peter writes, "You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of His own possession." that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Certainly, thank you. That's It's helpful to, to review that those, those themes there of light and darkness, certainly we've seen that again and again in Isaiah, the light refers to the Word of God. And even when it was all the way back in the earlier chapters of Isaiah, back in like, you know, chapter like 11, say, you know, every time you see that light of God, that dawning, right? I mean, when it says your light, it's, it's talking not about, you know, um, like the inherent goodness of the people or something like that. It's talking about the light that shines on them through through the word, God's teaching uh, to them, that he speaks the word that he speaks through his prophets, the words that he spoke through um, his prophet Moses and all the, all the rest. And that darkness, as you were saying, that spiritual darkness, like we saw in chapter 59. And, um, I appreciate you also pointing out that right in verse one, it is striking that you, you do have that that past tense, and you know, a lot lots of people kind of scratch their head at that because um, mm-hmm. you know, right in the one breath it says, you know, your lights come, and then um, you know, and just not even a full verse later, um, you know, but the Lord will arise upon you. So there's there is that kind of now not yet tension, and of course, as Lutherans, we're like, yeah, of course, you know, <laughs> we're, we're used to that 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 now not yet sort of thing. We're used to that that language. I mean, it's the language that we talk about the resurrection, right? Where we're waiting for the resurrection to occur. Still, it hasn't happened yet. But on the other hand, 
we have experienced our kind of resurrection, spiritually speaking, with Christ as we have been baptized, as you were mentioning. So yeah, it has has a lot of the same themes that we're that we're familiar with, themes that we can certainly relate to in this age of the church. Themes, though, that I think make good sense in the context that was receiving these words from Isaiah. When we think back to those people in the promised land who were calling out in darkness in Judah because they, they sure, they had the name of Yahweh, but uh, they had abandoned the Sabbath. They were worshiping other gods. There was the syncretism going on, and they were wondering, well, well hang on, we're we're fasting and we're doing all this good stuff. Why isn't the God of Israel coming and letting us rebuild Jerusalem and rebuilding the walls and the rest? And it's because, well, they're in this darkness. But then, as we saw in 59, uh, this Redeemer, as, as you mentioned, right? And that's the word we've seen. It, it's the word that means, uh, you know, an avenger. Um, God mm-hmm. goes and he dons his armor. He puts on the righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet as a, of salvation on his head and all the rest. And so this is the promise that he's going to come and, and deal with these obstacles, with these foreign gods that have invaded Judah, with the, the foreign powers that have oppressed God's people. And they're about to have the walls be rebuilt and the temple be rebuilt and, and all this good stuff, which we're going to see in, in verse 10 clearly. So um, a, a theme and a pattern that is is timeless. It goes all the way from creation, as you were saying. It fits well in the context mm-hmm. of God's people following the Babylonian captivity. It fits well for us today. Uh, absolutely, indeed. And uh, it's interesting, as we'll get into the text, uh, who actually builds um, Jerusalem. Ah, yes, yes, very, very good. Uh, looking ahead, but we we won't give it up. We won't give up the ghost just yet, will we? Yeah, no, not not just yet. Let, let's go ahead and go ahead and press on and read the next four verses here, starting at verse four. Lift up your eyes all around and see; they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba will come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. And all the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you and the rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. So, I mean, as you were already saying, that that is a very striking uh, turn of phrase at the end there. I will beautify my beautiful house. I mean, God himself is at work in this reconstruction, in this gathering of, I mean, what, what what an amazing image of all this wealth from all over the place. Well, indeed, and perhaps... um Uh, As we uh, see and hear and read the scriptures, perhaps the listeners recognize uh, uh, what you just read, that this is also the lectionary text for the epiphany of our Lord, um, which is important to note uh, as verse uh, 3, stating that uh, the the light uh, comes to all nations. Uh, And we see uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 2 where these... these, uh, um, these astrologers, if you will, come from the, the far east uh, to worship and bring gold and frankincense and myrrh uh, right. to the uh, child Jesus. And so these are things uh, that the Lord is promising 
uh, in our day, they have, uh, they have occurred. Um, and so as we, in Advent, uh, prepare to, to celebrate Christ's first coming, we also pre- uh, we celebrate his first coming, but we prepare for his coming again. And his coming again, of course, is in, uh, is in judgment, uh, judging uh, unbelievers uh, and uh, believers. Uh, but uh, here, what a wonderful uh, um, a part of Scripture uh, that are, that is familiar to uh, to us um, as we uh, hear these uh, and read these words uh, in, on on Epiphany, uh, January sixth, um, uh, right. one of those unmovable um, uh, celebrations uh, that we partake, which ends, of course, the twelve days of Christmas. Uh, right. so, but getting back to, to the text, um, uh, through, uh, uh, we see that um, when we, in, in regard to lifting up our uh, lifting up our eyes, he says that your son shall come from afar. And of course, yeah, the, uh, the, the men from the east came from afar, but also, as the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 says, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought right. near by the blood of Christ. And so certainly this is baptismal language, but this is also uh, language that uh, unites us in the one holy communion in receiving Christ's true body and blood for the forgiveness of sins, the strengthening of our faith. Um, yeah, that, so, that's a good point. It's not just the stuff, right? It's not just that the, the, the treasures come off from afar. It's not just that it's exotic or abundant wealth, but it's, it's the people. I mean, and that's what it says there back in verse 4, your sons shall come from afar, your daughters shall be carried on the hip. It's. I mean, we, we've been seeing this for a couple chapters in the context mm-hmm. of you know, post-Babylonian captivity Judah, you know, it's the Babylonian exiles are coming home, and they're not just going to be coming home empty-handed. They're going to be coming home with gold and frankincense and myrrh, and, you know, there's even going to be, you know, people, you know, from the East, you know, from Babylon who are coming back. So, I mean, just kind of taking that image of the wealth of the nations, but also God's people scattered throughout the nations coming back home to Judah, just you're exactly right how that uh, just beautifully anticipates then the image of i mean i mean really of the great commission about just all the peoples of the earth coming and flocking to the church uh yes and we see also that um uh, the use of of uh, a multitude of camels uh well mm-hmm. that that would frighten uh, the israelites because uh, that's when they were overtaken um, the Babylonians uh, coming on camels and, and uh, overcoming uh, the Israelites. Uh, but here, uh, they are not coming uh, in harm, but uh, to, to bring gifts. Uh, right. And when we hear, we hear of all these, uh, these names of Midian and Ephah, well, these right. and, and, and those from Sheba, they should not be foreign to us as, um, because these, uh, these names have ancestral, uh, ancestral ties uh, with right. Israel going back to Genesis chapter 5. And uh, so uh, for after the, after the uh, following the death of Sarah, Abraham takes uh, a new wife. And uh, from this new wife come more children. And these are the children uh, and their children's children. Uh, so uh, th- th- there is a connection here that this family, this gathering, is taking place. Uh, and where is it taking place? There in Jerusalem, Zion. 
Right. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, that's well, that's well put. I mean, you look at all these names, right? And like, they're all these names that when you go back there, they, there they are in Genesis, you know, I mean, like Nebaioth was the last name that we looked at, right? That's back in Genesis chapter 25. And I mean, and all, all the rest, you, it all goes back to it. And, and I, I like that you did bring up that just the whole image really of light kind of breaking into darkness that that's a that's a creation image that's what genesis 1 looks like and you know every time this happens whether it was you know with with the passover or with the rescue at the red sea or as we saw in the first part of isaiah the rescue overnight um when the when the the syrians were there threatening judah mm-hmm. you know you, you wake up in the morning and there's the light not just literally shining into what was you know literally darkness but the light of god's salvation shining into what was a a hopeless situation on its own so yeah it, it's it's the same pattern that we see again and again um and i i do think that i really like the thing you said earlier though that you know he says you know i will beautify my beautiful house you know, that's, of course, a, a way of referring to the temple, you know, which, you know, at this at this point, right, is is destroyed, isn't isn't there yet. But here is God saying, like, you know, you've been doubting me. You've been asking, where am mm-hmm. I? But here I am. I'm I'm going to rebuild it. And and it really is dramatic, as you were saying, that, you know, when, when you've got all these foreign camels and foreign, you know, gold and foreign incense and, for, you know, all the rest of it, right, which is what we read in Ezra, it was helpful that we read Ezra not too long ago on Thy Strong Word. Um, you know, it, it really is uh, Cyrus sending all this stuff, and it's like, wow, we didn't have any of this stuff. We, we had nothing. We had none of this stuff to rebuild the temple and do our sacrifices with. But here's God just bringing it all out of nowhere. Yes, indeed. Um, what I'd like to add uh, to uh, that, uh, that verse uh, that you spoke of, uh, and so what we have here is a picture of the manner in which men from every part of the world are gained for the truth of the gospel and subsequently honor the Lord with their gifts of, of, their, of their hands. And uh, uh, another, perhaps another rendering uh, of uh, I will beautify my beautiful house, uh, I like to think of it, uh, another word that can be used here, I will glorify the house of my glory. Um, mm. And who is doing this but the Lord himself? Um, he, for he is indeed a jealous God, and his, he desires that all men would come to him. Uh, he does not want one to perish, but he desires all men to worship him uh, um, as he is, the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy right. Spirit. Right. That, 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 that's a good. That's a good point. I mean, it's not the it's not the usual word for glory. That's kind of the predominant one, kavod. But I mean that we've seen this word before here in Isaiah. This. Um, this uh, this fir this like glory splendor it certainly has like a, a connection though to that same theme of God's it, God's presence it's beautiful because that's that's where he is and that's where he's mm-hmm. at work and um, it's yeah certainly in the church age we can relate to that how you know I mean just just think back to the situation of the early church you know and, and there they are you know preaching this good news and they're meeting a lot of opposition a lot of rejection by the the ruling authorities in judah and it's like hang on a second how are we supposed to build up a church right um like it seems like we're we're meeting with uh you know oppression and persecution at every turn and yet then here comes god and through the midst of uh, chaos and darkness certainly with the destruction of the true jerusalem in AD 70 you know then all of a sudden god through that just goes and starts bringing in just all the different nations um, and just the gospel starts bearing fruit all over the world in Macedonia 
and, and all over um, Asia Minor and all the rest. It's greater than anyone could have anticipated. But we do need to to make sure we press on and get to the halfway point. We have to go into a break. Sure. But right after the break, let's let's go ahead and jump jump right back into the text. We can go through verse 14. But everyone, hang on. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 60 here on Thy Strong Word, and we'll be right back. Mark Hawkinson. You know, life is a potpourri of good experiences and really tough challenges. Through all those times you need, and so do I, the Lord's precious word and sacred music to get you through. That's what you get when you tune in to Moments of Assurance, Christ-centered songs, scripture, news items, trivia, humor, you name it. So tune in. You'll be richer for it over the noontime hour here on Worldwide KFUO. Moments of Assurance is underwritten by Mid-American Coaches. Simplicity and elegance love this time of year because both simplicity and elegance are needed to carry the message of Advent and Christmas. You will hear that in the music of the season featured on the next Sing for Joy. Do join us. Sundays at noon on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 60. We're joined today by Pastor Jim Cress, pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Englewood, Florida. So we just read through verse, what was it, verse 7 here, and we're going to pick it up and try to get to the, the halfway point. I invite everybody who's listening live. We, we do have a, a live audience today, and Pastor Cress, if you do have anybody there from your Bible study group who has a question, you might pass that question along for the rest of us. Uh, but everybody else who who's not there presently in Englewood, please, if you want to call in, you can call 1-800-730-2727. If you're in St. Louis, you can call 314-821-0850, or you can send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. So, yes. Shall we press on? Let's do so. And uh, actually, hold on, uh, uh, Pastor Espinosa. One of one of uh, uh, my students here uh, does have a question, so I'm going I'm going to allow him to ask a question. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Rob, what is your question? At the end of verse seven, it says, "I will beautify my beautiful house." And aren't we? Doesn't he live within us? So. At, at, at some point, we are his house, right? Is that right? I, I, I hope you were able to hear that, Pastor, as well as your uh, your listeners. Uh, but Rob was referring to verse seven, where uh, uh, where he will beautify uh, he will beautify my beautiful house, and I think uh, he's referring to aren't we the temple of the Holy Spirit? And so, does he not reside in us now? And, yeah, uh, that, and of course, the answer to that is true. 
Yeah, yeah, certainly. That's a, that's, a, that's a really good question. Certainly in the original context, it would have been referring to the literal temple, which needed to be rebuilt, which Cyrus of Persia was, was going to help them uh, rebuild. But yeah, certainly in the New Testament, there's that description of we being rebuilt into the temple of God because Jesus Christ is described as the temple of God. You know, that's the language you get in John where our Lord says, you know, tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days because Jesus exactly. is the temple and we are the people who are made part of the temple. You know, as Peter said, you know, these living spiritual stones that are built in to Jesus, who, who is the foundation and, and the cornerstone of the temple. So we together as the people of God function as a spiritual temple. And I, I sometimes I make that, uh, that point a little bit specifically, you know, it, it is, we, as the people of God together, as the baptized community. So, you know, we can't read this as, uh, you know, God's going to, you know, bless us with each each and every one of us with, like, good looks or something like that, you know, because each one of us is uh, <laughs> the, the special the special temple all by ourselves. No, not by ourselves, yeah. but, but together in Christ, uh, we certainly are the dwelling place of the Spirit. Uh, absolutely. We are the body of Christ. We are grafted into that right. body. Right. Very good. Um, th- thank you, Rob, for that question. We also got a couple questions here online here. Uh, we can we can see. We can try to take a few of them here. We have some questions from, from James in St. Louis here. So uh, <laughs> let's see. There's a couple of questions here relating to uh, political events that are going on. Um, you know, oh, I can't. I can't yeah, yeah, that's right, and uh, certainly those are those are good questions. I, I, I do not know what is going on with um, with the things going on with the right. the House and the Senate right now. It's uh, right. that's that, that's kind of just above my pay grade. We'll put it that way. But um, let's see, let's a couple of these questions here. We'll we'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think general generally the question here, you know, will God's people stand up and and shine? The, the truth of God, you know, despite the darkness that's going on in our political context. Because, I mean, certainly, you know, people are pointing the finger in different directions, right? Whether it's coming from the executive or if it's coming from the legislative or, or both. I think all these questions from James are kind of pointing, uh, pointing to the situation that it feels like our political process has been shrouded in darkness in one way or another. So, uh, yeah, Pastor Kress, like, what, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, th- does this message of light and shining speak to uh, the political darkness that we experience in our situation here in the U.S.? Uh, well, um, political or economic or whatever, um, uh, uh, there is darkness all around us, and that darkness, uh, the source of that is sin. And uh, we are indeed um, recipients, um, inheritors of that sin through our first parents. And so, uh, and this is what happens uh, not only outside of the church, but also inside the church, uh, that we are surrounded by sinners. But it is that word, that light, the light of God's word that guides us. And I I will say this, I can't read anything from uh, from Scripture uh, pointing uh, to what is happening today. Um, uh, I don't have that knowledge. I don't have that vision. Uh, but what I do know is that when you get sinners together, um, not much good is going to happen. However, when you have repentant sinners gathered together, much good will occur uh, for the good and glory of God. 
Yeah, that, that's well said. I, I will say, you know, one thing that we've thought of before, you know, it is interesting and we, and we should press on. You know, there's going to be this description of foreigners rebuilding the walls, right? And and like these oppressors, who people who were enemies of God, who will be bowing down to you. Um, this is a theme that we see throughout Scripture that God uses. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in, in, to to kind of just put it as bluntly as possible, God uses corrupt, evil, foreign powers to serve His purposes. You see this Correct. again and again and again, whether it's with Assyria or Babylon or Persia or any of the rest. God uses evil, corrupt governmental political powers for his purposes. So I, I think that, that that pattern that we see in Scripture should not lead us to say, you know what, you know, we, we have to, you know, we, we have to all band together and establish you know, a government that has no corruption and no evil in it. And no, and so we have political power that is pure and holy. Well, I mean, that's, that's just not going to happen on this side of our Lord's second coming. But what we can do is we can certainly pray and work together that God would use these imperfect instruments for his purposes. And I, and I certainly do think that, you know, as, as, as dark and corrupt as things do seem sometimes, um, I, I think you can see God working through even our political process today. Uh, we actually, to, to chime in, we have uh, Pastor Nabil Noor, um, who's actually wanted to uh, join us and uh, kind of offer his own thoughts to this question from James. Pastor Noor, always a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, good morning and welcome, brother. Your, your thoughts on this question. Well, good morning to you, all of you, especially to you, St. Jim, and pray your blessings upon your ministry, and James, who is listening, and you, AJ. The question is, uh, do we give a witness? I just led uh, my Bible study this morning on the book of Revelation, chapter 11, and there we have the two witnesses, which is the church, of course, and secondly, the saints. And the point is that we are to be a light to this dark world. Our whole life exists just like the people of Israel that God chose to be a light in spite of that. Though we may be persecuted, we may be hated, mocked, laughed at, but ultimately our role is to really be men and women of God. And our life should reflect that both in our actions and in our words. Amen. Amen, brother. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. I I, I do think it goes back to what, you know, Pastor Kress was saying that, I mean, it's the darkness of sin that we're dealing with, you know, as, um, you know, as Paul puts it, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. I mean, not him not referring to, you know, certain kings or certain nations, but the, the demons behind them. I mean, honestly, I mean, that's what he's talking about. So, I mean, sometimes we are, I think, tempted to narrow down our vision and say, oh, man, you know, it's this particular political um, institution or you know, branch that's the problem. But we got to see that it's, it's really the sin and the spiritual darkness behind it. It's bigger than that. Um, and so just as Pastor Noor was saying, you know, we got to shine our light um, into that situation and, and realize it's, it's a whole big picture thing and, and not just uh, this one particular man or particular party or, or the rest of it. So uh, thank you, brother, for, for your thoughts. Yeah, if, if you don't mind me just adding one more thing. Our, our Lord sure. Jesus says, obviously, on the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. Right. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and give its light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so this, this is wonderful for, um, uh, for um, Vice President Newark to, to call in. It's also nice to know that uh, there are others who are listening. And so, um, but this is an important uh, topic, especially for us today. And so uh, may we uh, take heed to, um, uh, to God's word and be that light uh, in, in a world of darkness that others may come to know him who is uh, the light to our path, um, who guides us to everlasting streams of living water in glory. Thank you, brother. And I appreciate you reading that, you know, that the, the light of our good works, right? Again, the, the true light, right, is the light of the Word of God. It's Jesus Christ, ultimately. Mm-hmm. But when he shines that light, the light reflects in us through our good works, you know? And that, and that is something that you see, um, you know, and we've seen that actually in the last couple of chapters, even, that, you know, when, when our Lord uh, was speaking through Isaiah back in 58, he said, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? So so certainly, you know, when we're dealing with the darkness of the situation that we find in our own days, you know, the focus needs to be on how do we serve our neighbors and, and how do we do good works for their benefit? Um, that's that's how we reflect these uh, th- this light of, of God's truth in our own lives. So thank you. Thank you, everybody, for for uh, those those fantastic thoughts i want to make sure that we stay on pace here let let me read through <laughs> verse four, yes through, through verse 14 that'll take sure. us to at least about the halfway point of the chapter um and there's there's a couple of really good things here especially in, in verse in verse 10 i think that kind of anchors this down um into some some real like you know things that you can kind of point at historically so picking it up at verse 8 then reading through verse 14 Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows? For the coastlands shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them, for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually, day and night they shall not be shut, that people may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, the pine, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious." The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, and all who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, the the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. So, I mean, just, just, what's that? Uh, Certainly a lot is said there, but I know that you wanted to look at at the the meat of what is there in in verse 10. uh, Right. Where God... And kind of what we've already been talking about, that God uses uh, for his own benefit even our enemies uh, to humble his people. And then uh, here, um, uh, as as, uh, uh, even though God's anger was briefly used uh, against uh, God's anger against his own people, he used foreign nations as his agents of wrath. But but in his mercy, um, 
and his will, uh, he employed those nations again to rebuild Israel. Uh, Exactly. um, And, And it's something to think about that. We've talked about how when Persia invaded Babylonia, how when it came to the city of Babylon, you know, they didn't even have to, you know, break down the bars of iron because they just they just surrendered. They just said, come on in. And it was basically like Cyrus had a parade up there all the way up to this to the statue of Marduk uh, there in Babylon. So to think about that, you know, so here he is, you know, Cyrus now is the one who rules over Babylon. And so those those, those exiles there um, and and so they get sent with, you know, gold and incense and all the materials to build up the walls of Jerusalem. That's what we read in Ezra, to rebuild the temple there in Jerusalem, right? And who who's the ones carrying all this stuff, right? Who, is, who are the ones that are serving? Well, probably a good number of those Babylonians who were previously persecuting Judah, the ones who had, you know, conquered and invaded, and now... Cyrus is saying, hey, you, Babylonian guy, you know, carry this for the for the Judahites, right? I mean, what a reversal. Um, and then certainly, of course, it anticipates, as we've been already talking about, you know, Epiphany, also known as uh, uh, Christmas in the Eastern Church, or, uh, you know, Three Kings Day in Latin America, right. uh, Dia de los Reyes, that, uh, you know, it's, of course, you got these Babylonians, right, you know, uh, coming from the East, the, the guys who were the oppressors, and now they're the ones who serve. The, the true king of Judah. What an amazing reversal. The, the, uh, the thing I, I hope not to, uh, to forget, but want to point out that in verse 11, your gates shall be open continually. Uh, day and night they shall not be shut. Uh, this is not to say that they can't close, is that you can't close doors on people as they are entering through uh, the gates. Uh, there's right. continuous flow of people coming in, uh, uh, and they're bringing their wealth um, uh, in order for the uh, uh, the rebuilding of Jerusalem here, uh, so um, so that's the reason why they won't be shut is because there's a continuous flow of people entering in um, uh, to bring their offerings um, uh, for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Uh, but in verse 12, uh, this is not just a rebuke, but a stern warning um, of, of the impending right. judgment. Um, and so uh, again, it's a, a, a little law or. Uh, pointing to, 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 to the law of God, uh, uh, as, uh, the, uh, as Jesus says in John chapter 3, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And so uh, much-needed um, warning there, even for us as believers— yeah, that that's a that's what's well said. You know, I mean, this chapter is just so exuberant, and it just seems yeah. like it's just you know just from 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 grace to grace and from joy to joy. But right, it, right in the middle there, um, in in verse twelve, you you do have um, this this warning, and of course, I mean, it, it's I think it's a warning that's for Judah still meant graciously because it's saying like, hey, you know, I'm going to deal with all of your enemies they are all either going to serve you or or i'm getting rid of them like i mean which is a gracious promise it's like in revelation where you know john says that he's the the sea was no more right Mm -hmm. i mean like it's the same kind of idea where you know the sea is seen as kind of this uh you know chaotic untamable force and so it's like the idea is like hey if anything's not going to submit and serve you i'm just going to get rid of it um, you know, yeah. that the idea that there's not going to be any loose ends, there's not going to be anything left that like threatens your peace and your salvation, you know. So, of course, th- this is th- this is an interesting turn, right? Because as you were saying, 
you know, uh, you, you have some, it seems like hyperbole here, this like your gate shall be open continually. It's, it kind of reminds me of a couple chapters ago where uh, Isaiah said, you're going to have so many kids, they won't fit, right? It's kind of like that that way of expressing a problem as a good thing, right? Like you're going to have so many people coming in to your city, you won't ever be able to close your gates, right? Because <laughs> they just keep streaming in, right? So there, there's those, I, I like your explanation of that. That's that's very helpful. But but yeah, like there's there's this thought that, you know, uh, well, hang on a second, but how about the Seleucids and how about the Romans? And like, there's, there's people coming who are, are, are going to like actually cause a lot of problems. So as, as much as this is fulfilled um, in the return from exile, that fulfillment still leaves something to be desired. That fulfillment still is awaiting a fuller fulfillment. Uh, indeed. And, and that's where we get, uh, that the son in verse 14, um, the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, and all who despise you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. And uh, here, uh, certainly, we can look toward to Revelation 21, um, yeah. uh, where it's um, it's more than just the building of the city walls. Uh, the city and kingdom will be opened in safety to receive the wealth of the nations. Um, and so, um, uh, so we see this in, in the book of Revelation. Uh, this is uh, the uh, now, not yet, uh, but uh, as we spoke uh, of before. Um, but uh, uh, we, we uh, I suppose, I guess uh, we need to continue to press onward. Um, time is running uh, short. It, it, indeed, right? Yeah, time, time flies. So let's go ahead and pick it up here at verse 15 then. Um, you know, I, I might just go ahead and read the rest of the chapter just so we kind of have it all out there on the table, so to speak. Sure. Because as you were saying, there is a lot of connection here between this chapter and Revelation. And that becomes right. really apparent there in like the last four verses uh, where it's just, I mean, it basically gets quoted in Revelation. Mm-hmm. So uh, let, let's go ahead and press on uh, and lay this all out here. The rest of chapter 60 here in Isaiah picking up at verse 15. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. You shall suck the milk of nations. You shall nurse at the breast of kings. And you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. And instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord, and it's time I will hasten it. Hmm. 
uh, we, we have to note uh, the amount or the usage of the first person. Yeah. Um, who, who is doing the work here and who is making the promises? Um, especially when we get into uh, in verse 17, where uh, even, I mean, we have a lot of figurative language here, uh, but right. Isaiah speaks of the glory of God will be to the city as he replaces the better with the best. Uh, when right. He also, instead of bronze, it will be gold. Instead of iron, it will be silver. Instead of wood, bronze, so on and so forth. Um, so this is indeed a further uh, description of the city uh, that right. has to do with the conditions within its borders, uh, the mm-hmm. violence, the devastation, the destruction that have been part of, of uh, Jerusalem's experience from the past, um, from its earlier days, will no longer be the case. And this is God's promise. Right. Yeah, no, certainly. And, and like, and we've, we've seen before, I mean, like, things did get an upgrade. I mean, like, when they rebuilt the temple, it was twice as tall as it used to be. And, yeah, yeah. like, you get this description of bronze being turned to gold and iron to silver. So things are just better, right? Um, and, and yet, you know, even though the, the temple is in some ways better and, and the city is in some ways better, you know, I, I, we, we keep going back to that moment there in Ezra that the people, they, they, they cry because it's just like what Paul says, when you rebuild something, that reminds you that it had to be rebuilt. That reminds you that the old one had to be destroyed. It reminds you that the only reason why we're rebuilding all of this right now is because we were the ones who broke it. And, and that, of course, anticipates that even though things are going to be rebuilt, the temple is going to be destroyed again. Um, and, and, and to this day, right, like it's you, you don't have like any of this picture there uh, literally in the in the promised land. So, I mean, it really does. You know, this is, I think, why it gets picked up in Revelation where in verse 19, you know, the sun shall be no more your light by day and all the rest it. That's practically quoted in Revelation 21 and 22, and, and it's because this this this, uh, this vision, as and this is what Paul says too, it's becoming clearer and clearer. This is not a description of what's going to happen um, in this age, literally, but this is a description of the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem that Paul says we have citizenship of now, the heavenly Jerusalem that we participate in through the ascension of Jesus Christ in whom we're baptized— so this is this is a description really of of something that we experience partially now in the church, but that we will literally experience then when our Lord comes again. And this language continues on in the in the preceding uh, chapters, of course. But uh, here in uh, the, the verses that you just uh, spoke of, um, uh, this is the climax. Uh, the references to the to the light of God discussed in, earlier in this chapter. And so right. um, Isaiah, again, is bringing to us this knowledge that um, revealed here is that the light uh, is that light comes from the Father and the Lamb. Uh, in Isaiah, the end of sorrow is a, is a theme concerning the redemption of God's people. Uh, for Jerusalem, rebuilt after the Babylonian exile was a significant milestone indeed uh, 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 with regard to God's way to shed the light of his glory. But even when all earthly cities pass away... He will be the everlasting light in the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. Uh, and this is uh, what we um, what we pray for. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. 
Amen. So, you know, looking then at this chapter as a whole, it is quite interesting how, you know, this phrase, which is, you know, stuck around in English, you know, rise and shine, right? Arise and shine, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that's, that's used, I think, in in this kind of literally, you know, when when your mom comes in and she's like, rise and shine, or, you know, it just, Mm -hmm. it went viral like a month ago, right? It was like Kylie Jenner, like saying rise and shine to her mom and like her, her daughter. And everyone was like kind of going crazy with this on social media, right? Like what's, what's going on with that? Like, well, I think when you say rise and shine, it's kind of like we've got work to do and we've, and there's some good things that are going to happen today. And isn't it interesting that really does reflect, um, you know, in a small way, very small way, it reflects what you have going on here. Cause yeah, there's work to be done, the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Right. And there's good things that are going to happen. Namely, God is going to come uh, and, and just make everything better and it's going to defeat every enemy. So yeah, the next time you hear, you know, rise and shine, you know, of course, like, you know, it's, it, it's just something we say to our kids to get them up in the morning, get them moving. But, you know, be rem- reminded, you know, this is this is our God speaking those words to us that we would rise and shine from the darkness, from the sleep of sin, um, and that we would wake up to the light of the the world to come. Um, only only like less than a minute left here. Some concluding thoughts, Pastor Cress. Uh, well, again, uh, can't say much. Uh, can't say more than what's already been uh, said. Um, but indeed, we continue as the appropriate time for us to look at chapter sixty. Here we are in the. Advent season, uh, but right. as you all know, uh, this season uh, quickly falls into the Christmas uh, time uh, and the Christmas time epiphany season, uh, and this chapter really uh, reveals uh, what is happening now in our church calendar year, and so hopefully we can uh, see that the light of Christ, His Word, uh, is in us, and we are, we are given the gift to, to hear it um, and to worship God our King. Amen. Thank you very much, brother. Appreciate it. Have a happy Advent and Christmas season. Thank you as well. Everybody, Pastor Jim Cress, pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Englewood, Florida. Thanks for joining us today. We thank our underwriters of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Till next time, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word. Produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.